0: A. W. Tozer uh, has uh, many. Some of you may be familiar with A. W. Tozer and some of his writings, but he makes this statement about the church and our concept of uh, or our view of God, our perception of God. He says this: Christianity at any given time is strong or weak, depending upon her concept of God. I want to read that one more time. I want you to lean into that statement. Christianity at any given time is strong or weak. Depending upon her concept of God and I insist upon this and I have said it many times that the basic trouble with the church is her unworthy concept of God this morning I want to talk to you about that I want to talk to you about your concept of God your perception of God. Um, one of the ways I want to do that is by talking about boxes, because I don't know if you've ever moved before, but if you've moved or have had to uh, move some of your possessions or whatever around, you've probably, uh, again, got some boxes. I remember one of the first time we've moved a handful of times, and I remember one of the first times we moved, we went and got boxes from a store and kind of used the whole banana box thing and all that stuff, and when you start to carry them, they literally disintegrate. So then I got smart and I thought, well, I'm going to get some boxes from a moving place, So I went and purchased some boxes, and obviously you can get boxes in every size, right? Small, medium, or large. Now, me being a man, I'm thinking, I'll get large boxes and load them up to the hilt, correct? So, now, when you're moving, you always have a bunch of your buddies helping you, and then you hear them cursing you throughout the day... Because you you know you ever try to get a hold of a how many's ever like really filled a large box to its capacity you know what I'm saying, and then you're telling you you know if you, what's cool is if you're moving kind of point delegate other people hey that needs to go on the truck next you know what I mean it's and you see them over there really struggling with it you know and it's like you learn from the very beginning that loading up a huge large or a large box with heavy things is almost impossible to move now some of you would say well yeah that's why we use a two-wheel dolly have you ever loaded up a large box a two-wheel dolly, you gotta have another man kind of steadying it as you're going down. You know what I mean? It's just, it's really kind of a, a, a task that becomes very daunting. And so I learned from the, from the start that maybe you ought to get like a, now this is a small box, but maybe you ought to get like a medium-sized box and load your stuff in medium-sized boxes and get a bunch of those and they're easy to pick up and handle and maneuver, right? Now this one might be—you might say—well, this one's a really perfect-sized box because you know you can really get a hold of this one, even if it's really heavy, and you can you can you know carry this around. You can carry it. You can move it yourself, and it's not back-breaking. You don't need like three men to move it together. You know what I'm saying? And it stays together without it just like becoming destroyed. Here's what we do a lot of times with God. We don't put him in a large box. We don't put him in a Medium-sized box. We'll we'll find a box that's just perfect to get God into where we can manage Him. And we say, that's that's cool, that's perfect, right there. Let's put God in that size box and let's, let's keep Him in that type of, let's keep Him in this size so that we can get our arms around Him and we can understand and we can navigate with that. Now, here's the problem, guys. Whenever you take a God that's absolutely impossible to put in a box... But somehow you think you can, and you do, and you put him in a box that's easy for you to manage. What happens is, it produces fears, anxieties, stress, problems, and all these other things in your life. Because your God is too small to really handle those fears, those anxieties, and those problems and those other th- the stress and things like that that you have in your life. You've got God in a nice size box that you can manage, but the problems and all these other things over here are things much bigger than what you can manage, and they're much bigger than, than anything you, you can do or you can deal with. And your God, consequently, can't really deal with them either because He's too small. It goes back to that Tozer statement where he says, Again, Christianity at any given time is strong or weak depending upon her concept of God. How strong is your your faith in here this morning? Could it be equated with how much you truly depend upon God? And again, as he says, that the basic trouble with the church is we have this unworthy concept of God. We've taken God... Something in a person that is way too big to, to stuff down in a box, but somehow we've managed to do that. And it's so easy for us to do that. And so when we become challenged, we, we, we begin to feel overwhelmed and, um, and hopeless because God isn't big enough to, to, um, to navig- help us navigate through these things. Here, let me give you some in-the-box type thinking. If, if God's in a small box like this, this is some of the statements that we, this is some of our thinking right here, this is some of the statements that we use. God can never use me because dot, dot, dot. God can never use me because I really messed up. God can never use me because I don't have any special gifts. God can't use me because in the past I really did some things that, that, that is really not fixable. And so what happens is we take God, we weaken our Christianity down, we take God and we have this unworthy concept of Him. Let me share with you a story. How many of you were here when Heather Spiegel shared her story on the video? Real quick, Heather uh, got, uh, moved to Vegas some years ago, got caught up in prostitution and strip joints and things like that, drugs, alcohol and all that stuff. At one point in her life, God was pretty small. How could God forgive me of these things? How could God ever fix me? How could God ever fix the brokenness in my life? Last night, Heather opened up that box and started, if you remember the video, one of her desires that God placed inside of her heart was to go back into the strip joints to evangelize, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them saying there is hope, that there there is something to live for, there is hope. And so she got involved with a ministry um, that, that, uh, that, that went into the, goes back into those strip joints to minister to the women. And last night, God was out of her box so that she could go back and minister. She has been saved. She has been redeemed. She has been given new purpose and meaning in her life. God is no longer in a box that she can manage, but God has been released. This morning, I want to talk to you about that. And I don't want us to just get out of the box I want us to literally get rid of the box. I'm going to kick this. Can I kick? I've been wanting to kick it all day. I'm going to kick it, man. There we go. That was kind of kind of weak, but I wanted to do it in the first service, and I figured they would say, why is he so angry? You know. So anyhow, I don't want us to just get outside of the box. It's time for us to release the box, to get rid of the box, and quit putting God in a box. As a follower of Christ, we've been given all of these gifts. We begin all this power. We just sang about these songs where Christ defeated death. Rise up, awake! Let's get with it. And it's time for us to get outside of our box. And I'm not angry. I'm excited. I am very passionate about that. I think we have so uh, we get so caught up in this concept that we we want to manage God. Where it's like we're afraid of God, and consequently, we present to the world this mediocre God that says, "Hey, here, let." my God solve your problems, here you go. That's, who wants that? Who wants that? So this morning we're going to talk about that. We're going to look about King David. and Again, we're looking at this big picture. We're looking at this, this story, this huge meta-narrative that started back in the garden where it got broke. And it would be so easy to put God in the box to say, well, it's all over. It can't ever happen. God can't save the world. It's all going to pot But God doesn't leave it there. And God begins to restore. God begins to do His thing. He begins to exponentially bless things. He begins to look at broken things. He fixes broken things. He uses people that releases Him outside of the box and He does incredible things. We look at this kid by the name of David. And and when I say kid, when we look at David, we see his life when we first start reading about him. He's 14 and 15 years old. King Saul, we read about, did a horrible job as a king. Uh, God pulled his spirit from King Saul. Samuel, the prophet, comes around and he's getting ready to anoint another king. God says there's gonna be another king coming. And so he goes and he's, he's, he's looking to anoint the next king. And so he goes to the house of, he goes to David's house where he's 14 or 15 years old. David at this time is a shepherd. Guys, there's nothing glamorous about being a shepherd in those days. Can you imagine going out and watching sheep? That's what you're doing. We count sheep to go to sleep, right? He's out watching sheep. It's a very low grade job. There's not much, there's not a whole lot of glamour to this. He's watching sheep. He's writing songs and poetry. And we also read about how he's slinging some rocks. You know, he has this, it's not really a slingshot, but it's a sling. And he's slinging rocks. And as a 14 or 15 year old boy, I can only imagine that after watching sheep and that boredom kind of taking over, that he becomes extremely a sharp shot. Is that the right word? Sharp shot? sharpshooter. but I was looking for another word there. But anyhow, he becomes extremely accurate <laughs> with, with this sling, right? He becomes extremely accurate with this sling. And so, I mean, that's all he has to do is write poetry and songs and, and, and sling rocks. And so he becomes very, he becomes very, uh, very good at all of those things. And so, as, as the story goes, Samuel comes to the, to his, his house, his, you know, his father's house, his father, uh, by the name of Jesse, and, and Samuel comes and he's, he's, he's looking to anoint the next king. And so Jesse brings out his sons, all the other sons, there's about, I think, seven or so of them, and he brings them out, and, and it says in verse, uh, chapter uh, 16, uh, verse 7, it says, uh, of first Samuel, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do you not consider his appearance or his height. What happened was, Samuel was looking down the line. Uh, Jesse brought out one of the sons, and he said, Well, this, must, this, this guy's it. I mean, he, just, he, he, he fits the picture. He's tall, he's, he, he looks like a king. It's got to be him. And so Samuel the prophet goes to anoint him, and, and God says, Whoa, hang on a second. Do not consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. And then the Lord is, and he says, the Lord does not look at these things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so, and so Samuel goes down the line of Jesse. Jesse keeps bringing his sons out. His sons out, and, and, and Samuel. At one time, he's kind of in a box, in a sense, because he thinks, well, this is it. This is the person. God says, no, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that's... After he gets through all of his other sons, uh, he basically says, uh, what else do you have? <laughs> I mean, do you have any more? I mean, what, what else is going on? Jesse looks at Samuel, and he says this, and it literally translates like this in the Hebrew. He says, well, I've got one more, and he is the runt of the litter. Literally, it translates as that. He's out, he's out watching the sheep. He's really not one you want to necessarily t- He's only 14 or 15 years old, by the way. And so why, why do you want to look at him? But nevertheless, I do have one more, and he is the runt of the litter. And so in verse 12, Jesse sends for him, and he had him brought in, and he was glowing with health and a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and annoy him. He's the one. wait a minute, it's a 14 or 15 year old. He's attending sheep. He's a choir boy for crying out loud. He's writing poetry. That's the one. This doesn't fit the bill, God. God, you know what, You know, in our box, this doesn't fit the bill. This isn't the one you're looking for. And God says, look, this is who I'm looking for. I'm looking not at outward appearance. I'm not looking at those things that you think makes a king. I'm looking at the heart, and I'm telling this is the king. Anoint him. Here's the here's the issue. God's anointing; he can use anybody. That, that, that's the basic concept. Here is that he can use anybody. The first point: God can use anybody, and and, and it's certainly like through this time uh, when we start taking a look at this, we we often come up with the same reasoning. We say, "Surely not me, God. Surely I'm just a shepherd, God. What are, what are you talking about?" God, I, I'm just—I'm only this age, or you know, God, it's—I can't do this. This isn't me. This isn't. This isn't. This. Surely you've got the wrong person. This person over here is so much more gifted. I remember um, I felt called to the ministry. I believe that I was called to the ministry uh, back when I was like 16 or so years old. I grew up in a in a in a, a pastor's home. I you know when I felt the calling. Um, I don't want to use the word feel because it wasn't like some fragile thing. I really believed I was called. But the more I got into it, the more I started doubting it, thinking, well, am I just doing this because my dad's a pastor? You know, so I really wrestled through all that stuff. And then you start comparing. You start going, surely not me, God. Surely not me. And you start questioning all of that. You know how it is. God's come to you at times and said, hey, this is where I've got something for you. Wait a minute, God. Surely not me. You don't understand what I've done in my life. God, have you, did you not see these few handful of years back here where I got derailed? God, did you not see this where I, tr- I really messed? Surely not me, God. God, are you sure it's me? Because surely, uh, you know, look at this person over here. Their gifts are so much different. Here's the issue. When I went into the ministry, um, and, and there's things there that, that my dad, you know, I tried to be my dad. I tried to be my dad. I thought that's how you did ministry. Now, certainly there were principles there that I gleaned off my dad, watching him growing up, being influenced by him. You know, there are certain things there, that I, the principles that transcend. But at the end of the day, I'm not my dad. I'm not my dad. God called me for who I was. God was choosing to use me. God was coming to me and saying, I've got, I've got something that I want you to do. I've got a calling for your life, and it's going to look specifically for you. And when we read the rest of this story, we read that, uh, that, that David, and you've probably read it before, where David goes out to fight Goliath, the giant, and King Saul takes all of his armor and puts it on David. David couldn't even navigate in it. He couldn't move around. It wasn't him. And so he strips it off and he goes and he takes the one thing that he's that he's used to and that's his sling and he goes out and he fights with who he is. God can use anybody. You're sitting in here this morning, God wants to use you. You've been called. God, you know, the question is, are you going to put God in a box? What is your concept of God? What is your perception of God? Is he big enough to use you? Or are you limiting him or trying to limit him? It's amazing that we try to limit, limit the creator of this universe, isn't it? God, surely you don't, surely this is, you're, surely you got the wrong person. I would invite you to take a scan back through the Word of God and look at some of the people that He used. Remember, I was talking about Rahab, the prostitute, who's in the lineage of, of Jesus Christ? God used Rahab, a prostitute, she wasn't even a Jew. God used Gideon, someone that was found in the wine press. Hiding because he was fearful and scared. God used people like Noah. God used people like Moses. We look at Moses and say, well, he was a great leader. The guy killed somebody. He was a murderer. And God used him. God used Abraham and Sarah. I mean, that story's easy. Enough, I mean, in a sense, right? We look at them and you're like, they didn't have any children. How in the world are they going to be? God used them. God can use anybody. He used people like Joseph. He used people like Matthew, who was a tax collector that his people hated him. God used him. God used Peter, an individual that completely denied him. But yet on the day of Pentecost, he was able to preach this, this message, this, this message that God used to just melt the hearts and people came to know God. Thousands of people came to know God. Zacchaeus, people like Saul uh, that would later become Paul, he persecuted the church, he killed Christians. God used them. Contemporary people like D.L. Moody. Some of you have heard of him if you've been in church. D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman in Chicago. God got a hold of and literally transformed his life. D.L. Moody is extremely a a, a pivotal person in in the the realms of Christianity. How about a person that was part of the Nixon administration that ended up in prison by the guy by the name of Chuck Colson? Why would God use a Chuck Colson? And the list goes on and on and on how about us sitting in here this morning what possible reason do we have to say god you can't use me here's the issue are you limiting god are you taking god and placing him into that box that says well this i can manage you here but if it gets anything bigger than this it's you know it's it's it, i can i can't manage it god's choosing to he wants to use every single one of us in here this morning Have you put God in a box? The second one is this, with God's anointing. He can use anybody. He can do anything. He took a choir boy, a poet, and used him to slay a giant. This story just is a story that, man, when you read about someone with courage and passion, you read about this in the life of David. Um, David was sent, what took place was you had the Philistines and you had the Israelites, these armies, and they were a stalemate they were they were at a stall. They were at a stalemate uh, because the Philistines had this giant called Goliath, and it was they were just they, the, the 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 Israelites were absolutely petrified. They didn't know what to do. Uh, they were just scared to death. David was sent by his father Jesse to take food to the front line, essentially to his brothers. And so he, as he takes food, well, we're talking about a kid here, as he takes food to the front line, he sees this Goliath that is defying his God. And he starts asking questions. Who is, the, who is this that's defying my God? And second of all, why are you guys just standing around letting this take place? And so this, this, child, this teenager says this in 1 Samuel seventeen forty five through 47 He says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin? But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David looks at him and says, yeah, you've got your little man-made weapons, but I've got God behind me. And he says, the God that you're defying right now, listen to what he says. Listen to the confidence. Listen to the the outside-of-the-box talk. Okay, you ready? Listen to this. This day the Lord will deliver you, he's talking to Goliath, into my hands, and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword, nor by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our, into, his, into our hands. Guys, David was outside of the box. He had no box. David was looking at this situation. He wasn't rationalizing it through, logically thinking as a human. He's saying, you're defying my God. And I tell you what's going to happen, I'm going to come and I'm going to cut your head off and everybody and I'm going to feed your army to, the, to God's going to feed your army uh, to to the, to the wildlife and everybody's going to know that my God is alive. Guys, you know what happened? He defeats Goliath with one stone. He cuts his head off and he parades through town with this guy's head. That's out of the box thinking. That's out of the box thinking. Small box thinking would be what if he doesn't cut his head off? What if he doesn't win? Because what it was, it was like, I'm, you know, the, the agreement was, okay, David's going to go up against Goliath, and whoever wins is going to serve the other person, right? So they're like looking at David. I, can't you imagine some of the talk that's going on kind of behind the ranks, you know? They're standing there fearful. They have the in-the-box thinking, and they're probably looking at each other thinking, what if he doesn't kill Goliath? What's going to happen then? David didn't even entertain that. David had absolutely no entertaining, but that's small, that's small in the box thinking. What if Goliath wins? What if the economy tanks? What if I lose my job? What if my kids don't turn out okay? What if we fail as a church? What if, what if, what if, what if? Small box, small box, small box, small box. God is so much bigger than the boxes. Why are we even entertaining the what ifs? If God is calling us to do something, that's what He's calling us to do. Why are we not going out like David to say, I'm going to strike you down, I'm going to lop your head off, and I'm going to carry it through town. Now that's the type of people that I want to be around. That generates excitement in me. That generates confidence in me that says, let's go. Let's get this done. Let's go. All the events in the Bible, let me ask you this question. All the events in the Bible, when you go back and you look at these events, event after event after event, all these crazy things that takes place, you know, like when they went up against Jericho and the wall, they go marching around Jericho and the walls come crashing down. All these things that happen within the Bible. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe they were just coincidences? Do you look at that and you say, wow, that's a really cool coincidence. Well, there's another coincidence. Well, that's a cool coincidence. Well, that's another cool coincidence. Are they really just coincidences? I mean, event after event after event, God says... I can use anybody. My anointing. Whoever I anoint, I will use anybody. I will anoint and use anybody. And oh, by the way, I'll do anything through that person too. And then the last one is this. I'll do it in my timing. I will do it in my timing. Here's something to think about. Number one, I'm going to lump you in with me. I'm not, I don't do wealth patience. Do you do wealth patience? Are you good at just sitting back when God says, "Hey, this is where we're going to go"? You just have some patience. It's like, okay, when are we going? What are we going to do? Where are we going? Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! You know, it's like it's like we don't do that well. We don't lean, we don't sit back and wait on God. It's like we got to do something. 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 David didn't know what was taking place with this. David was anointed king when he was fourteen or fifteen years old. He now get this. He at some point, you know, he, he he went in and he played again. He he was he was a musician. He played his he had a harp. Okay, and he played it. Saul, king Saul was being tormented again by spirits and things like that. King or, or David would go in and play his harp to soothe him. At one point, Saul begin finds out that David uh, and, and again Saul is extremely fractious with his emotions very insecure he finds out that david was anointed king and obviously he begins to he tries to kill him and so for all this time david was hunted hunted down by saul for 10 years saul wanted to kill him for 10 years 10 years okay i've been anointed king when am i going to take the throne for 10 years he's running from saul And all these other all this other time when he was anointed, there was this vast amount of time. And here's here's the point, guys. He was in training. God was preparing for him. We read about that in the life of. We look at that in the life of Moses too. If you break up Moses' life in different spans of years, you see that he spent forty years in the palace, forty years in the desert because he killed somebody, so he went hiding, and he was uh, he was a shepherd as well. That forty years or those that eighty years prepared him to do the next forty years. We get so impatient, we lose sight. We get diverted. We get distracted. We say, "Okay, well, this is becoming too challenging. So maybe I just... I, maybe this... Maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be." And so let's stuff God back down in the box. Let's put him back down in the box. The question becomes this: Do you believe that God can use anybody to do anything at any time? That's really the question for today. And and, and C.S. Lewis makes this statement, which I think is very profound: uh, "Is this." I don't want my image of God, I want God. That's really the question for you today. What do you want? Do you want your image of God? Maybe some of you are sitting in here this morning, maybe, and this may not apply to all of us in here, maybe, maybe there's some of us that have taken the box, we've kicked it, and we've said, you know what, I'm not stuffing God down the box. God's too big to stuff down the box. But maybe there's some of us sitting in here this morning, that we can really identify with C. S. Lewis, where you say, you know what? I don't want my image of God anymore. I don't want this God that I can manage. It's boring. It's predictable. It's mediocre it's it's living in mediocrity. It's living this stale, sterile Christian life. C. S. Lewis, I don't want my image of God. I want God. So let me close by asking you some questions. Do you believe that God can use anybody to do anything at any time? Your concept of God determines everything. And the reason why we find ourselves living predictable, safe, sterile, mediocre lives that are often dominated by fear and anxiety is because we've made God way too small. If your God operates on your timetable, your God's too small. If your God is always saying, come, but never go, your God is too small. If your God has never asked you to do something that's not in your budget, your God's too small. If your God needs a certain president in office to accomplish his purposes... Our God's too small. If your God says you're too young, you're too old, you're too broken, you're too poor, you're too late, you're too guilty, your God is too small. And if your God fits nicely into a box, guys, your God is too small. We serve a God that cannot be contained in a box. Why do we want to serve a God like that? Why do we want to attempt that? Why do we want to try that? Some of you today, God is knocking on your door and he's saying, I want you to encounter me and I want you to get me out of the box. Because that's not me. You're missing out. You're missing out. God's saying, I can't be contained in a box. Hey, by the way, let me share this with you real quick. Some of you got this box from your parents. Some of you have a generational box that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. This is our family God right here. This is how big he is. Right? Some of you, it's time to break the family curse. And get out of the box. Some of you went to a church way back in the day, and this is what they gave you. Here's God right here. All nice and tidy. Here you go. It's time to break out. It's time to break out. We're gonna close with some music and then we're gonna have a special time of prayer, but I I pray that you would just man, allow God to connect with your spirit today. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you've punted the box years ago. That's awesome. And it's so cool each week, and God's moving in the, in the in element. Um, it's so cool to see people opening up boxes. We hear the stories, just like Heather's story. By the way, at our Adrian campus last week, six people were baptized. People coming out of the box. Six people. We're hearing stories. That's what God wants for our church. That's what God wants for you. Can you imagine what it would be like if Element Church became a church full of people that said, "What box are you talking about?" And as soon as they identified a box, they said they wouldn't allow you to have that box. Where we would love each other so much, where we would say to one another, "You're putting God. You're trying to put God in a box. Don't do that. Don't do that." I think it'd be so awesome to be part of a church where it's full up. Because what would happen is we would see God move in ways that we've never seen Him move before. Because we're letting him be God, and he's not our God, but he's he's God. Does that make sense? So as we close with um, our next this next song, and open yourself up to God, allow him to just allow his spirit to connect with yours. If you've got if, if if that's what if that if your concept of God is that small, let him challenge that this morning. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Just, just respond the way God wants you to respond. But I just, again, pray that you would allow Him to have the, the, that freedom to, um, to, to to connect with you in here this morning. Let me close with a, prayer, a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for again your word that you that we're allowed to that we can look at and we can see men and women step up and take the box and pun it and allow you to be you. And God, this morning I pray that that's what we would do in this room right now, this very minute. God, would you please, as I've already prayed, would you please remove chains? Would you please remove bondage that people may be experiencing? God, would you please remove all spirits that, that it's not of, that's not of you? And let this time be just about you. God, would you please just break through walls today? Break down barriers. God, intervene in people's hearts and lives. Help them to allow you to be you. And where they might have placed you in a box, God, help them to punt that box today. And just begin to live their life with this vastly new concept, huge concept of, of who you really are. And we ask this all in Christ's name, amen.